Hello, this is Danny Ryan, and welcome to the Two Bald Brothers and a Microphone podcast. I'm here with Tommy Ryan. How are you doing, Tommy? I'm doing great, Danny. Looking forward to today, oh, talking about internet statistics. Yes, yes. And interview number two. Today we have Sam Marshall from Clearbox from over in the UK. How are you doing, Sam? Hi there. I'm very well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it, too. Awesome, awesome. Today, we've got a great conversation that um, a lot of people are talking about, and uh, I know it's come up uh, for us quite a bit. Um, and I wanted to talk about uh, with Sam, he's, a, he's, 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 he's got a, a company that really focuses in on um, the decision process around uh, what you should be using for your digital workplace, and Sam, you're gonna you're gonna correct me if I say anything wrong here, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, so Sam uh, has a lot of options as far as workshops that he runs, and um, also at the end of the podcast, we'll go through a, a report that he has available for people who are interested in the. The, the products that are out there. So I've given a sort of a high level there for you, Sam, but just tell me a little bit more about what your company does. Yeah, thank you, Danny. So we're based in the UK and uh, this year's our 10 year anniversary. And we focus on digital workplace strategy, things like internet adoption, internet governance, getting the right team in place. Basically we do everything about intranets apart from the actual technology. So we don't sell any products. We don't build things on top of SharePoint. We're really focused on the, the needs of the business user. And the analogy I often make is that it's a bit like uh, once a company has installed a load of gym equipment, you then need to say, well, okay, what's the training program for our team? What is it we're gonna do with this equipment to achieve our goals? And that's quite a nuanced thing to, to help people think through because if you carry on with the analogy, you know, if you've got a bunch of marathon runners, they're going to use the gym equipment in a certain way and do certain routines. But if you've got a bunch of Olympic power lifters, then they will probably use completely different equipment and follow an entirely different program. And we come across this a lot with Office 365 because you get so much stuff just with that license. And the trick that we try and help companies think through is what do we need out of this goodie bag that will work for us and what can we safely ignore? Myself, I, uh, your, I yeah, go on. Yeah, what's your back? I was just interested, just going to ask you probably what you're just going to say. Tell me more <laughs> about your background. You're going to cue me up perfectly, and I interrupted you by <laughs> segueing into it myself. I'll give you a funny answer. I, I studied baboon behavior as a psychology uh, graduate, and then uh, I specialized in artificial intelligence, um, building Lego robots. And, you know, if that isn't the perfect background for intranets, I don't know what is. But, uh, <laughs> it turns out neither baboons or Lego robots pays as well as, as getting involved in things like SharePoint. So man's got to eat, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, in between that, the serious answer is that I did a lot around knowledge management and working with internal communicators. And that's what got me into to intranets and things like SharePoint because I think the the technology to me isn't that interesting, but the things that people do with it and how it affects the digital workplace, that's fascinating. Uh-huh. And Sam, have you honed in on SharePoint and Office 365 as that platform, or are there other platforms outside of that? I know you, 
you advise people on intranets in the box they interact with SharePoint but are there other platforms that you get involved with yeah so we've always made a point of saying well you are technology neutral because we, we don't mm -hmm. see that as the biggest challenge and we have worked with clients who are using open source systems like uh, Drupal and also some of the ready-made non-SharePoint platforms like uh, Interact which uh, is a big player in the UK and, and I think also getting more visibility in the US but in yeah. practice probably 80% of our clients have already made the decision that the answer is Office 365 and they come to us saying now, Sam, can you tell us what the question should have been so that we can justify the answer of Office 365? So right. we run with that. We, we have no problem with the technology choices that they make. Okay. Awesome. And what, so what, um, just sort of getting into our conversation here, which is, uh, and it, it, it has to do with um, really the, the build versus buy decision, um, what's been happening over the last couple of years with regards to, in particular with SharePoint Online, but also some of the other products that have been coming around. What, and, and what, how did you get into this whole idea of doing this, you know, the, um, the SharePoint in a box report? Give me a little bit more background. Was it just a lot of people were asking you for what the options were out there? Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, in part. So maybe we should just explain a little bit what this Internet in a Box is and what the report is that we've done. So the Internet in a Box products are things that you install in, on top of SharePoint or alongside SharePoint or within your Office 365 environment. And they kind of take the, the bare bones of SharePoint and give you a lot more of what you would normally expect to see in an Internet. So, for example, that hero image, the news publishing, maybe a, a much nicer look and feel until recently, something that worked well on mobile that wasn't available from something like SharePoint 2013. And we saw a big growth in companies who had maybe doing, been doing this for years as an agency, taking a whole bunch of requirements and like responding to an RFQ and then building it again and again for, for different clients. Mm -hmm. And I suppose each one of these companies said, do you know what, why are we building yet another carousel web part from scratch when 90% of the requests ask for the same thing. Why don't we turn that into some kind of product um, so that people can buy it and take an accelerated approach to getting the internet that they want. And as Clearbox, we noticed this was happening and thought, well, we're in a pretty good position to be the neutral guide for people on this because we're never gonna sell any of these products but we do have a really good understanding of what it is that companies are looking for. And we've worked with everything from small charities of a couple of hundred employees, all the way up to the, the Unilevers and Rio Tinsos of this world that have 50 or even 100,000 employees. So we, mm -hmm. we see the, the range of requirements. So a couple of years ago, we're talking um, end of 2015, we took a look at the markets and said, let's, uh, Let's do a free download where we, we look at six of these products and we'll do a like a buyer's guide. We'll do a star rating of their strengths and weaknesses and that'll at least let people who are interested in um, sourcing one of these understand what's available. So we did that and we got a really good response and we got lots of indignant vendors knocking our door saying, uh, how come you picked them and you didn't pick us and we're really great <laughs> as well and <laughs> when's the next version of the report going out? So we thought, yeah, yep. okay, that's, that's a fair question. Let, let's do this again. So uh, we put out uh, an appeal for participation and we had uh, 26 vendors respond. 
And I'm starting to think, okay, so this is something we should really take seriously. So we produced a, a paid for research report. It's like 250 pages and every product we put them through eight different common scenarios. So things like um, publishing news, supporting communities, two-way conversations, analytics, and we evaluated them consistently across each one of these and said to the vendors, show us how your product would fulfill this scenario. So it was a little bit like a, a mock RFP where you might come up with some use cases and ask for a demo of those use cases. Yeah. Since we, yeah. we did that, um, we've had yet more indignant vendors knocking on the door who <laughs> yet again felt excluded <laughs> by this, but, but also some really good feedback from the vendors who had uh, taken part saying, yeah, we've got lots of new things to show. Uh, we'd like you to do an update of the report. So uh, we're just uh, oiling the wheels to, to start that again for this year. And so far we've had, I think, 48 companies that want to be listed. My goodness. So this, this is a very, very active market area. Uh, and I think really interesting because um, what's driving it from a company point of view, a lot of our clients say we got this steer from the, the CIO, we want to buy, not build everything in IT. Wherever we can, we want software as a service or we want it to be cloud-based. Because we've been burned so often in the past with SharePoint where we invested hundreds, if not millions of dollars in this custom solution, Microsoft broke it all and it cost us hundreds, if not millions of dollars more to, uh, right. to fix it. Uh, can we push that headache onto an external company who will not just keep in step with Microsoft plans for us, but in step with maybe a whole cohort of customers and customers and therefore spread the cost. So I think not only is there a boom from the supplier side, but there's also a real boom from the customer interest happening as well. Yeah, looking at that report, Sam, it's incredible. It's so detailed. Um, it's something that you, I think a lot of people, um, like to see and, and kind of compare it as rating it in a, as a consumer reports type of view um, where you're comparing some of the same parameters. And, Thank you. Um, the, the, that's, a lot of ibuprofen went into that report, I can tell you. Yeah, that you can tell there's, you know, someone that has attention to detail or <laughs> obsessive compulsive maybe behavior there. <laughs> it wasn't just me. I had a team of uh, eight obsessive compulsive working for me on it as okay. well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I, I can see, you know, it's, it's interesting to see the amount of folks that are in this space. You, you, and you probably don't know this, but you, you wonder what's the market opportunity? You know, what does that space look like? And all these companies that are going into creating an internet in the box, how are they rationalizing that? Are, are they product companies that go into it saying, we see this space, it's got a market potential of this and, and we're going to go after that market and go after this niche in that market or is it uh, consulting companies that, you know, kind of built the same customizations over and over again and they productize that and try to spin off a product side. I assume you see a mix of those and, and you know, you have any comments on, you know, what makes a good internet in a box um, company that can be successful endeavoring in, in the space? It's a really good question because it, it has a lot of signs of an immature market. And what I mean by that is that 
actually on the whole, pretty much everyone doing this is coming at it from the consulting side and moving into being a product company. Interesting. I don't see many product companies who are saying, we want a product in this space alongside all the other products that we've got. And what that means is that there's a real challenge for a consulting mindset company to change the way they work to support a product that might mean multiple releases and 24 seven help desks and all the other things that you'd expect when you buy a license that don't fit that project mindset of doing consulting where there's a clear endpoint and anything you want after that is another contract or a kind of bespoke support engagement. Right. So to answer your question about what makes it good in a box vendor is the ones who have really, I think, segregated their business so they have a team that's dedicated to looking after the product and is thinking about the product roadmap irrespective of the necessarily being a, a sale behind every feature that they add so it's not like they're saying oh we're going to do this because a big client has asked for it they're doing it because it's the right thing to do and they've got that vision of where they want to take the product as a way to generate the sales what you see as a symptom of companies that haven't made that segregation is that Maybe the guy who developed a feature that you've raised a ticket on because it's not working right is pulled off on a client project for the next three months. And you know, that poor guy is going to have a real tension in terms of how does he allocate his time to, to looking after the conflicting needs. If I can share yeah. a little secret on the podcast, um, and everybody listening has got to promise not to repeat it. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> there are a few companies that got in touch saying please can we uh, be in your report and they couldn't even provide a website link because they hadn't got the website live you know the product was that fresh yes uh, we've, yeah. we've had a little chat and said you come back next year when there's, there's more to show um, because I think part of what people investigating this area need to be aware of is um, some of these products I don't think will last and that's part of what we're trying to help them do is understand how how robust is this offering? Because if you if you back a product where the, the vendor walks away from the market in 18 months, then you know better off than if you built it in-house, you've got that same headache in terms yes. of upgrade routes. Yeah, that, that's an interesting thing. You know, and as I was looking through the report, I see um, you know, when the company was founded, you know, it's uh, so-and-so IT consultancy. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any measures around, say, maturity and, and, and um, let's say, process product um, uh, capabilities that can um, give a client a certain sense of assurance that they're going to be around two years from now versus they're, they're just, you know, kind of dipping their toe in the water? How, how do companies sort that out and do you help them with that? We do, uh, and there's, there's a couple of checkpoints within that. So one is how committed is this company to the product route? Mm -hmm. And the other one is, is how stable is the company itself? So, you know, the company might live on, but they might say, yeah, we're walking away from looking after this product anymore, uh, and you're still high and dry. Right. So in terms of the, the company stability, I always say to clients, just make sure your procurement is doing its due diligence in terms of, looking at the, the vendor financials and mm -hmm. the number of employees they've got and their track record of companies um, of a similar scale to yourself, you, you know, the usual revenue credit check type stuff you'd do. Right, right. In terms of the, the, the product maturity, um, in the report we list 
when the first release of the product was, we list how often they release it. In the new version, we've asked what's the typical customer size and also what's your largest customer size. And most of them have also given us the names of reference companies. And all of those are good reflections of a, of a healthy product, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's good. Um, yeah, that's, it's interesting your, your answer to the profile of a company that it's uh, you know, primarily consultancies. You wonder, is there the market there for it um, where you know, product companies maybe do a, you know, a market level research versus saying, oh, we've got code for this. It's more of, is there a market established that we know we can invest so many dollars in product you know, convert you know so much business. Um, do, do you think? Do you have a sense of why traditional product companies are not entering this market? Well, it's it's a busy market, isn't it? Um. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe they see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. necessarily. Uh, the, the SharePoint space has traditionally been dominated by um, the, the partner model, mm -hmm. and there aren't so many companies that have got established SharePoint products who perhaps understand the internet world, you know, that whole publishing model. They're much more on things like the, the transactional um, BI or the, the back-end admin tools. Right. Uh, well, you know, you think about Metalogics or K2 on Intex. I don't think any of those have anything else that's similar to what an intranet would do. I mean, what, right. what, what for your guys' thoughts on this? Because you, I know, have been exploring this space as well. Yeah, I th so I can I can maybe you know, Sam a little bit about the Tommy and I are very interested to learn sort of about and this is probably because we've been in business for quite a while and I have tried launching a couple of products of our own. We're not planning on launching any intranets in a box or anything along that those lines. But um, you know, it, it, we rec I think one of the things that Tommy and I have recognized that it is truly a different type of business and. Um, and in order to be successful, we're at the point where we say we've got a role. It's got to be a separate company doing a product. It can't be us. Um, and so we've 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 recognized that. And um, and so it's we've been very cautious about you know uh, about entering into any sort of product type of business. And in fact, I've got up on our 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 website. You know, we recently we did some uh, integration products with Salesforce, and we've recently retired those because uh, it's just it's uh, we just don't we, we can't uh, it's 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 not the right business for us um, yeah what I'm interested if, if I can um, I'm interested for right now because of uh, traditionally the um, number one the, the SIs how would they handle because the SI because typically with these different uh, you know internet and box products they're selling both the product and the services along with it what are you know? Because we're an SI that doesn't have this. Are they? Yeah. What are they? Are they typically just building? Are you seeing them build on top of SharePoint and 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 are or are they? And we've partnered with. There's been some companies that we've worked with uh, mm -hmm. that, um, in particular, where they're moving from Jive, which is a social platform, to Office 365. We have some expertise where we've been pulled in to do the migration. Uh, where we've got some expertise in some of these products, but how are SIs? Wh what do they do? Are they are they deciding? Uh, you know, I'm just going to build on, or how are they handling this whole situation? I see a big growth in the more established in a box products setting up 
partner and reseller networks. So I'm okay. guessing the guys are aligning themselves to specialize in maybe one or two in a box products and saying, yeah, we can meet 80% of a client's requirements by adopting this product and then we'll fulfill the other 20% of bespoke. <laughs> um, but it allows them to deliver a solution way quicker than they could have done before. So yep. some of the in a box vendors, uh, in particular, Powell 365 and uh, Kamina are really geared up to deliver through SIs rather than you would go directly to them for the solution. Gotcha. And again, I see gotcha. that as a, an encouraging sign of maturity that the product is something that right. they can build out a partner network through. The less mature ones, you could argue it's not really a product because it's actually a, a set of code libraries and you always need the, the in-house consultancy expertise to, to turn it into a, a delivered internet solution. Tommy, were you going to say something? I think I cut you off a little earlier. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I want to say Sam was asking, you know, what do we see as that marketplace and, you know, why are there internet in the box um, solutions out there? And, you know, you know, we started in the Sheriff Point space um, back in 2006, 2007, and, and it's when Microsoft um, really touted SharePoint as a platform, a customizable platform, and and gave a lot of um, knobs to turn as developers. And as, you know, SharePoint is maturing and as Microsoft is going to the cloud, you can see SharePoint becoming more commoditized and going into the cloud, you know, being in a multi-tenant environment, it's really not um, suited well for some of the customizations you would do in the past. So you have organizations that want, you know, those better look and feels and they can't work within the constraints of, you know, what Office 365 puts in place. So mm -hmm. they want to, you know, extend that capability and, and have, you know, more control. And that's, you know, working with these companies that are, you know, providing more of the functionality that um, either might not ever get there in Office 365 or maybe doesn't get there soon enough where they'd rather get there sooner by buying it than building it, knowing that things might change underneath them um, with Office 365. And I, I think also it's been the space around Microsoft where Microsoft kind of put out SharePoint and said, it's here, you know, it, it's got some core capabilities, do with it what you want and think about, you know, the possibilities of what you can do with the internet. And that can be paralyzing to a lot of organizations and, and buying something out of the box like what we experience with people buying Jive is it's a polished product versus a platform play. And a lot of organizations um, kind of like that and, and went in that direction. And so I, I think these internet in the box companies are seeing you know, people want the reliability of having SharePoint storing the data, being that back end, and then have the nice shiny up front um, with something that, you know, Microsoft is not necessarily known for, but getting better at, you know, you're seeing things that are coming out that make you excited about Microsoft is becoming, quote, more modern in their UIs. But with a company that size, they're always going to be, probably a few a step or a step and a half behind 
what these smaller companies are able to, to, to do with web technologies. Yeah, that's just sure. my kind of high-level view of you know why is this space being created, and um, and it's not totally surprising that it's coming primarily from um, you know uh, SIs doing this, but it is I think a sign of like you said, saying maturity of the market where it is coming from you know shared code libraries that are coming from projects from SIs versus you have a, a product company that's you know saying there's an addressable market there's a gap here we want to address it and and we feel confident that people are going to spend the money here um, but we're surprised it might be because we're doing a lot of jive to SharePoint migrations but we're surprised in the number of companies that are choosing the internet in the box option because it will put your data um, inside other CMS systems. I mean, we've seen with some of these systems, they're not just storing everything in SharePoint. They have to have their own CMS to kind of give the kind of capabilities that they add on top of SharePoint. And maybe they just store the files in SharePoint, but the blogs are sitting in their own, you know, CMS system well, outside of SharePoint. I mean, I absolutely agree with your analysis, Tommy, but the, that point about where your data sits, um, mm -hmm. there's only three or four were it resides in a separate CMS. So we're working with a client at the moment where it's an absolute prerequisite that the data stays entirely within the Office 365 tenant. Right. And there's about 20 options where that's definitely the case. They, some of them, are, it's really just web parts and styling that they're adding. They're not taking the data outside of your own client at all. Yeah, that's what I would want as a customer, but but also some of the sexier ones are not necessarily, you know, using SharePoint as a store because it complicates things. You know, a blog in SharePoint, that data structure is totally different than what you would want to do from scratch to create a blog interface. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's understandable because often the, the brief from the client is, can you make SharePoint look not like SharePoint? So right. Yeah, what you want to do is get another CMS and, and patch it in there. But it's, mm -hmm. but when you do so that, guys, the big trade-off is that it becomes a um, an uncomfortable hop back into anything Office 365. So if you look at something like Flow and say, oh, that's great, can we use Flow as part of what we're doing with this separate CMS? The answer is always going to be no, because the CMS won't have that level of integration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about kind of the, sort of the hot topic and the elephant in the room, which is communication sites. And yeah. uh, Sam, I was fortunate enough to listen in on a webinar, and I, I think this is an interesting thing because as a feature, uh, sort of as a maybe a feature set, this was one of the things that SharePoint in a box companies were addressing, which was the uh, modern experience working well in mobile devices. And we've seen this year Microsoft release this. What, give me, what, what does that mean to folks? Um, how does that, in, in, you know, what's your general take on what's happening right now with, in particular, with communication sites? Yeah, so communication sites, really interesting, really good to see because I think it uh, reflects that Microsoft is definitely getting the, the UX message that it's so important and they frankly just haven't got it right for many years. Communication sites are fantastic when you need to create something that's attractive around uh, a single topic, but it is still a microsite in effect. So 
right now, you know, we shouldn't prejudge because we know this is just like the, the first release and there's probably a lot more to come yeah. from Microsoft. But right now, it looks like an internet homepage, but it really isn't. And what I mean by that is that it has the, the hero images, but they're just images with links behind them. It's not actually you click on it and you're taken into a news article unless you manually tie that hero image into a news article. And there's no cross-site publishing. So we find once you get up to 500 employees or two or three countries or two or three um, business sectors that your company operates in, it's not enough to have separate sites for everything. You want to be able to create a news story and say, here's a news story, now zing it out so we can target it to everybody in Canada but not in the US or everybody who works mm -hmm. in sales but not in marketing. And for that, you still need that idea of a news center, a repository of news, and some kind of metadata and personalization which then does a search call and pulls them back to show people. And that's not, not something that I can see coming in comm sites anytime soon. In terms of the inner box marketplace though, Microsoft is definitely gonna make the sales guys work harder because comm sites look great. Mm -hmm, Getting right. sign up from Rezek saying, uh, we really need an internet in a box when they can see a comm site becomes harder. It probably means that some of the in a box vendors who are targeting companies of 50 to 200 employees, some like the, the small to medium enterprise business, they might pull out of this market in time unless they are really focusing on doing non-communication stuff like um, transactions, which some of them do very well indeed. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, what's your take? Do you, do you see your clients excited by communication sites? I, from my experience, Sam, I, I think it's early on and they're, they're so buried in everything else that they haven't um, fully explored that at this point. Um, it's a nice way of sending class. We've got actual lives and actual businesses rather than. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's something that uh, makes you pause to say, okay, how does that play in to the equation? And, um, you know, the, the thing that I think Microsoft's doing well with, but, um, you know, developers in the Microsoft ecosystem might get frustrated is they're trying to narrow down the lane a bit and, and get more focused around, you know, areas in SharePoint to be very good at. And so I like the concept of, you know, segregating into teams and communication sites. Mm -hmm. And that um, I think is kind of the 80-20 versus the traditional Microsoft is we're due, you know, we're trying to cover 100% of the space um, versus honing in and doing very well on you know the majority so they can go across you know platforms and devices to to expose that in a, a polished way and mm -hmm. um, I just love seeing you know teams and and uh, you know that that visual overlay on top of um, a SharePoint team site or Office 365 group I mean that's exciting for us to um, really have a customer go a long way because they've gone deep on that topic of a team site um, versus, you know, before in 2007 and 13, you had, you know, 20, 30 different things to choose from as a starting template 
Um, so that I, I think that's different for Microsoft. I think it it is speaking to we're all busy people and we need less choices. Um, and um, and, uh, and, it, and it's interesting that you say there's 50 internet in the box, you know, selections. <laughs> I, I think that's good news from for your company because that just makes that equation even more complicated of, okay, am I picking the right one? Um, I don't have time to evaluate 50 different, you know, options. And then you feel at the mercy of, you know, which one has the best marketing program to touch me is the one I'm going to choose. And maybe that's not the right selection criteria. I need to, you know, make sure I'm thorough and, you know, picking the company that best aligns with, you know, our needs and our direction. Yeah, uh, and th that is so important because once you've made that choice, once you're committed to it, you really have narrowed down the scope of what you can do. So these in-a-box products, they make things easier to use by, in effect, reducing some of the choices that you would have if you're on a, a bare-bones SharePoint and could develop anything. Mm -hmm. I always say to people, you know, don't pick a product and think that you can just tweak this and tweak that because you won't be able to if you want to stay faithful to the vendor's own right. roadmap. Yeah, so it becomes definitely. much more a, a formal requirement to gathering exercise and we're helping quite a few clients through this at the moment just to go through an RFP that gets you in the right place to, to come up with a short list and then choose between them. Very good. Sam, I think we could talk to you for hours here, so I know you've got a, a hard stop. So before we wrap up, if you don't mind, I know you mentioned that you might have a, a discount code for listeners. Can you give us a, a little bit more, uh, some more details on that? Yeah, sure. So if you head over to our website, which is clearbox.co.uk, I know I've got a funny accent, so let me spell that out. That's C-L-E-A-R-B-O-X, <laughs> opposite of blackbox.co.uk. You'll see uh, right there on our own hero image a, a link to the SharePoint intranet in a box report. And when you go to check out, use the code 2BB20. So that's T-W-O, BB for Bald Brothers, and 20, because uh, we're giving you <laughs> T-W-O, BB20, uh, and you get 20% off. So the full price is $495. You'll get $99 off by making it $399. That's awesome. Super. That's awesome. That's, awesome. That's, that's great. Valid right to the end of August. Then, so, you know, if you're light on your summer holiday reading by the pool, the report will certainly uh, help with your siestas. I mean, that will certainly <laughs> give you plenty of reading. That's wonderful. And maybe, maybe, Sam, we can have you back after the next version is out. We, Tommy and I would be interested to hear some, some of the details on that. So that'd be wonderful to have you back. I'd love to. Once I've had a big lie down, I'd love to come back and talk to you more about this topic. It's really <laughs> Super. Well, thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Tommy. And uh, thank, thank you, you everybody for listening. Yeah, thanks so much. Pleasure. Thanks very and much, guys, for inviting me on. It's been great. All right. Absolutely. Cheers. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.